Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 244, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Matt and talk about the best investment vehicles for your dollars. I'm already at 37, and I'm really only starting to save for retirement until about a couple of years ago because I had this late start because this career field is really, really hard to get into, and you don't make any money for a long time. And then finally, and you have these huge student loan debts and when you finally get to a decent airline is when you can finally start getting ahead. But it took me till, you know, I was 34, 35 to get to that point. So I have this late start, but I would like to, the goal is to try to be minimally financially independent by 50. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me as always is my co-pilot, Scott Trent. Oh, we're just winging it with these intros today. (laughs) Oh God. Oh, that was terrible. (laughs) It was actually very good. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story. Because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right, Mindy. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate. Actually, whether you want to retire early and stop traveling the world, uh, because you're a pilot that travels all over the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business. We'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. for the assist there, Scott. That was a good, that was a good change up. Yes. Today's guest is a pilot who currently literally travels the world on his day job. And he is wondering where his money could be best spent. So Scott and I give him some suggestions for what we would do if we were in his position. Yeah. I I thought this was great, a great show. And I think that a lot of people Maybe if you've been listening to The Money Show for a couple of years and you've begun to pay off all those, like most of those debts or get back to zero, um, have a house, home equity, or, 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 you know, and some home equity in it, some retirement accounts, you know, it's hard to self-actualize that, oh, I'm over this hump in the journey that is wealth building. And now instead of working against me, um, you know, the compound effect is going to work for me. Right, I've paid off. I've paid off all those debts. I've got back to zero. I've got my emergency reserve. I got a financial foundation. Now it's not. It's not another twenty years to build a million dollars in net worth. It's considerably less, if average historical returns continue with that. Which I think is the only reasonable way to really plan around a lot of these things. You know, you have to have a margin of safety with that. But at some point, you have to invest with the expectation that's going to grow. And I just think that Matt is going to experience so much of that over the next three to five years that he's going to blow away some of his financial goals and, and kind of redefine what's possible for him, him and his life over the next decade or so. Yeah. You know, I think you're, you're totally right, Scott. The slog, which we have mentioned on this show several times before, the period of time where you are starting your wealth building journey and you're just really waiting for compound interest to kick in is it can be like, oh, am I doing everything right? Yeah. Matt says, oh, I'm wanting to do this the fastest way possible. Well, the fastest way to a million dollars is to win the lottery. We don't talk about that because that's not really all that uh, easy to do. So instead, this is the second best way. Investing in real estate, investing in the stock market consistently and over a long period of time will get you to your goal. Most likely. No guarantees. Uh, Scott, should I talk about what my attorney makes me say? The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. 
and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Take control of your investments and secure a stable 8% annual return today. Visit pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets to learn more about the fund. That's pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets. Matt is 37 years old, single, with no plans to have any children, and makes a great salary. He contributes to his 401k, his Roth IRA, and his HSA, but is wondering where his investment dollars can be best put to use. Matt, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm super excited to go through your numbers. Hey, uh, thanks for doing this with me. I know it took a long time to get this worked out. <laughs> okay, let's remind everybody what part of the world you live in. St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay, so that's a relatively low cost of living area. It's not like a New York City or a San Francisco. Right. 
Okay. Well, let's jump into it. Where is your money? How much money is coming in and where's it going? So uh, my base income is uh, $100,000 a year. Um, but with overtime and bonuses we've gotten, I'm really more on track for 110. Um, my expenses, uh, I just bought a house in January. <clears throat> the mortgage cost me $1,350 a month. Uh, gasoline's about 100 a month. Insurance is 100 uh, utilities in the summer on the high side is about two fifty. Um, I spend a, about a hundred dollars a month on groceries. It's not very much because I'm never in town. And then um, on the flip side of that, restaurants I spend close to a thousand. It was more like eight sixty when I looked at the previous month. And I've got a, about a hundred and fifty on an entertainment line there. And then I have a boat in the marina, which costs me four hundred and seventy a month. <clears throat> I don't have any student loans. Those were all paid off in 2016. And I don't have any car payments. I have two trucks, a 94 Bronco and a 92 Ranger. Uh, and that's it. So how does that, how much does that all add up to um, in terms of monthly spending? 33.80 a month. 33.80 a month. And on that, uh, on that income, how much is actually take home pay that's going into your bank account? Uh, so the, I have the, I have a total of 3380 expenses and a remainder of 1950. So I have to get a calculator. I can't do that in my head. Okay. Well, well, well so you're, that, you're, you're that saving 1950 home. a month. That, that's right. how much is, is accumulating yeah. on average. Right. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, and we have, we have no debts. Let's go through investments then. So I am maxing out my 401k. Uh, we have a company, uh, a Roth 401k also. So those two combined are maxed out, which is one of my questions down the road. Um, so that's getting 19.5 a year. My HSA is getting maxed out. And um, we have a company, uh, ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Program, that just started this year. Uh, not really too... Don't have a whole lot of faith in it, but supposedly in five years it'll be worth two hundred and sixty thousand. Of course, if the value of the company stays the same, I'm not really counting it, but it's supposedly there. And then I have about six thousand in crypto, and uh, that started at around nine hundred dollars, I think. And um, the home I purchased in January, I owe two twenty seven, and it's supposedly worth around two ninety five. But I purchased it for two forty. Because this, this city, even though it's low cost of living, it's exploded like the rest of this country. Awesome. It, what, um, what, how would you peg all of that in terms of net worth? Um, I have, when I added all that up, it was about 181000 So 10% of my net worth is savings and cash. And then 3% is cash for my next down payment on my next home purchase or uh, multiplex or whatever. 32% of it was in retirement accounts. 39% of it's in this house, this real estate. And then the remainder is 16 is other like crypto. And then I, this boat I purchased for really, really cheap and I'm going to make money on it. It's kind of one of my things. I like to work on stuff and flip it, but that's it. Yeah. Awesome. So how much total cash do you have? 23,000. 23,000. Okay. And then what's, so what's the goal? What's the best way we can help you today? So I'm at a point right now where I, I'm maxing out the 401k, I'm maxing out the HSA and I have extra cash left over. 
Um, I've bought my first home. It's going to be rented out by January and I'll move on to the boat, but then I'm going to have this extra cash and I, I don't really know where to go next other than it seems like my two options are a brokerage account or just keep doing more real estate. But, um, and the other question is with the 401k and the Roth 401k, I don't really know how I should allocate those funds between those two. And I've read and read and read, and I just can't get to a consensus on how those should be saved, uh, allocated towards each other. You know, should I put 50, 50 between Roth and the regular 401k or I, I just, I can't figure out a direction to go from here because I, I am accruing more cash and I just, you know, I don't know what to do with it. The reason that these challenge these questions are hard is because there's no right answer to them. It just depends on what you what you want with your your strategy, which I which I think is I think it's great. I think that that a lot of, a lot of people struggle with this. Like, is the Roth or four hundred one k better? Right. Well, let, let's let's start with that. A quick example of that to help you kind of to help frame the kind of decisions that that entails. Right. <clears throat> I'm thirty one. I max out my Roth IRA and I put no money into my four hundred one k. So all of it is is every dollar I can is going into the after tax account, and I earn a high income. Um, <clears throat> but the reason I do that is because I believe that tax brackets are likely to rise over the next couple of decades before my tra- I hit traditional retirement age, and I believe I'm going to accumulate a large amount of wealth. So I'm going to remain in a high tax bracket even after I retire from wage paying work. So. That's that's one framing of the discussion. Someone who is, would be contributing to a 401k might be earning a high amount of income right now and expect to retire, but only spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year and withdraw a lower amount of uh, of taxable income on a, on a regular basis with that. So that's like that's an example of framing the discussion about like what's the right answer. Well, it depends on whether you believe tax rates are going to go up or down, whether you think you're going to be in a higher or lower income tax bracket at retirement age than you are right now. Right, so that that's that's why it's such a hard question with that. Um, with with that framing, I think we should go. We should come back to like wh- what is what are what are some goals? Like, where would you want to be in five ten years? Do you want to be financially independent? Do you want to um um and retired at that point? Do you want to you know be entrepreneur building a business? What does that look like for you? No, I'm you know I'm, I'm pretty happy with my career. I'm a pilot. I get to fly all over, and it gives me a lot of joy. And I, I don't really have any desire to retire early, but I, I would like to have the ability to, because this is a wild industry and you really can't count on it. It's not that, as you know, with last year. Um, so the goal is to become financially independent by ideally 50. It's, I think it's a hard number to get because I'm already at 37 and I'm really only starting to save for retirement until about a couple of years ago. Because I had this late start because this career field is really, really hard to get into and you don't make any money for a long time. And then finally, and you have these huge student loan debts. And when you finally get to a decent airline is when you can finally start getting ahead. But it took me till, you know, I was 34, 35 to get to that point. So I have this late start, but I would like to, the goal is to try to be minimally financially independent by 50. And I I figured I, you know, based on my, my expenses now, I was looking at, um, I think 1.25 is, is my number, assuming a three and a half percent withdrawal rate on it and, and researching what the withdrawal rate should be to make sure it lasts forever. It seems like that's a pretty safe conservative number. 
And um, that's that's kind of the target right now. And because I don't really have that many expenses, I think my, my pay is only going to go up. And soon I'll be upgrading to captain, which is about a 35% increase in pay. And that's just going to keep going into uh, retirement accounts or wherever I decide to invest it. So I, I think I'll have the ability to do it if I, you know, just don't start spending more as I make more, which I'm pretty good at. Yeah, I, I think that's super realistic with, with, with a lot of this. And, and um, you know, on the surface, we can get into the, the details there with a little bit. One additional question I have is on the housing situation. Did I hear you're going to move from the house to a boat? Um, and is that going to realize a large amount of uh, a drastic reduction in cost of living to a certain degree? Yeah, yeah. So this is, I've actually been living on boats for the last uh, six years. And i finally sold my last boat in um, October and bought this house in January because I said, okay, I, I need to start getting some appreciating assets here. So I uh, sold the boat, got this house. Long story short, I don't like living in houses. <laughs> a couple months into it, I decided I'm moving back onto a boat. So um, I'm going to rent this house out and move on to the boat. And it's, it's definitely going to save me a lot of money because the boat's paid for its cash. And, um, and I got that boat for really cheap because I work on stuff myself. And when I do sell it, I know I'll make a lot of money on it, but it currently only costs me four seventy a month. So the house, but uh, the home expense, living expense, just for where I'm living is going to go from 1350 to 470 a month. When you go to rent this house out, will the rent cover all of your expenses? Will the rent cover, um, have you run the numbers with regards to vacancy and property management and things like that. You're a pilot, so you're not home a lot. Um, I think that having a property manager in your particular situation is going to be the best bet uh, right. just because you're never you're never home. Right. Yeah, that goes without saying. It's it's impossible when I'm on the other side of the planet for 20, 20 days. It's, I've got to have management. So um, I started at the mortgage expense of 1350 and kind of worked my way up from there. So, you know, I know just coming from bigger pockets and just researching real estate and rentals and, and things like that. I'm setting aside 10% of the rent for management, 10% for maintenance and 5% for vacancy. Um, and I know down here that's pretty conservative, but um, that brings me up to $1,800 a month, which would be the break-even point. And I'm pretty sure I can rent this house out for 1900 or 2000 a month. So that's upwards of $200 a month income there. How close is it to the airport? Could you rent it as a crash pad? Um, not really. And this isn't really a place for a crash pad. It's it's not really a big hub. So it really wouldn't okay. do that well. I'm actually going back and forth between doing long-term renters or Airbnb. Uh, I think I'm being pushed in the direction of Airbnb because of just the ridiculous return on investment I'm seeing with other friends doing it. So I think I'm going to give that a go, but as my my backup plan, long term renters, it it's going to cover it and even maybe make a hundred or two hundred a month profit. Is your principal interest mortgage payment does that cover? Uh, does that also include uh, PMI? Yes. Okay. And the so PMI could go away. Six, it's only like sixty eight dollars a month. Okay. Okay. Not a huge pull there. Are you considering doing this multiple times or just this once with this property? 
No, actually, I want to keep doing this. I'm, I'm saving up for another down payment. Uh, I did this house with 5% down, so I would like to make the next one 5% down, so I have to wait a year. And this January will be one year. So it's kind of like I want to get this house on it, you know, moving on its own, and then I can focus on the next purchase, whether it's a multiplex or a, another house, probably a multiplex, ideally. But right now, everything's so crazy so ridiculously expensive. I, I don't know what to do. I'm kind of holding off right now. When are you expecting the the 35% pay increase again? Well, that's associated with getting a captain upgrade. And right now it's not in stone, but it's, it's, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm, I'm estimating first quarter of next year. Okay. So within a year or two. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, and one last observation before we get into kind of some, well, I should probably many more. Uh, I'll probably say that six times. Um, but you're uh, on the expense profile. I didn't notice anything for um, like large one timers, like uh, insurance uh, for the car payment or um, capex for you know I have to I have to go and buy a new car or whatever that is. Do, do you have an allocation bucket for for those types of things in your expense categories? No, um, because I don't. I mean, I have two trucks. One's a 94 Bronco and a 92 Ford Ranger. They're both paid for. Um, I, I do the maintenance on them. I work on them. So the expense on them is really, really low. And even though they get horrible, well, the Bronco gets horrible gas mileage. Again, I hardly drive them because I'm never here. So the the car expense is pretty negligible as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, because I just... We'll never buy a new car or something even less than 25 years old. It's just not my thing. They're boring. <laughs> okay. So, so what I'm hearing is we're going to save $2,000 a month pretty consistently after maxing out the 401k and the HSA and taking care of another, another, a number of other buckets. And that's going to stack pretty consistently at, you know, to 25, the tune of $25,000 annualized. There's going to be a big change when you move on to the boat. There's going to be a big change when you get the salary increase with that. And so a year from now, you could be on a run rate basis saving four, five, six thousand dollars a month. Is that is that right? Yeah. After maxing out the four the four hundred one k or and or Roth IRA. Right, and I have my six month buffer, and I also have a six month um, buffer for this house that when it becomes rented out, which is in its own separate bucket. And then, and if we extrapolate, that's going to, you know, that should continue to increase over the next five to ten years. That average savings rate, um, uh, you know, depending on how what you know, you could spend a portion of the increases and all that kind of stuff. But you should be able to continue incre increasing that. You know, if you go from twenty five k a year in cash savings right now to sixty uh, uh, annualized a year from now, the sixty five, seventy, seventy five, eighty. And so the challenge is turning that into one point two five million in or by in the next thirteen years by age fifty. Or right. quicker. <laughs> and if you're going to do, and, and, and your approach that you're willing to do is buy and rehab and, 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 and position real estate investments for rental income and, and, and wealth building and, or stock investing with that. Is there anything else that you're willing to, to consider or do like entrepreneurship, or is it going to be mostly those two that you're? I don't know if the motivation is there to add a, a side hustle or anything like that in, a, in addition to the real estate thing. Um, you know, on my 10 days off a month, I just want to check out because after 20 days of work, I, I need it. And it's hard to run stuff or, or it, it's hard to find something I'm interested in running remotely 
which is really the only option I, I see that I have. So I really don't see anything like that happening. The only uh, only thing I have coming down the pipeline is upgrading to captain and getting that pay raise, and then also getting hired at a much bigger, more well-paying airline, which could be. I mean, some of these guys at some of these airlines, they make two, three, four hundred thousand a year. It's just, it's insane. So if I can get hired there, obviously, you know, it's not a problem. I'll, I'll get there, but it's not a guarantee. You know, those guys are all at the top of the pyramid, and everyone's fighting for those jobs. So I can't really count on it. But you, um, you, yeah, so you, you don't need all that to hit your goal. I don't think. I just no. was wondering if there, <laughs> if there was anything extra. So I, I think you're going to crush that that goal. Or you have a good, very fair shot of crushing that goal over the next decade or so with what we currently got here. Um, I agree. I think that we talk to people who start at zero and negative net worth and get there in 10 years. And you've got oh, 181 yeah. with a lot of income potential coming up. Um, a question that I have about being a pilot. I'm not a pilot. I don't know anything about it. Is there any opportunity to do private thing, like private flights on your off days. And I mean, I understand wanting days off, but like you have 10 days off. Maybe you do a day of flying for you know, that. That's a good income generator. I'm not sure how that pays. So generally airlines don't like you working on your time off because it affects the total flight time you've done for the year of, for which there are limitations federally. Okay. Uh, for example, we can only fly a thousand hours a year. And if you have another job that, that, that affects that total number, then your airline you currently work for gets mad because then you, you can't work anymore when you get, you know, let's say you get you hit the number by November and you're, you're a pumpkin for the rest of the year. So that's kind of out of the realm of possibility. However, there is a potential job I may get as a captain on a uh, tiki boat downtown St. Pete working for a friend kind of on the side. I'm just doing something on the weekend. It looks fun. I'm working on my captain's license for that. And uh, <laughs> your it, boat captain's it, license, yeah, right? Right. It looks okay. fun. So that's something I may I may get into. I don't really know how much it makes, but it'll be something. I need a bartender license for that one too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll awesome. be a lot of fun. That's see, that's the kind of side hustle you want. Is something yeah. that you would just go do anyway, even if you weren't getting paid for it. Right. Um, okay. So flight. Extra flight is out. Um, I didn't realize that it was only a thousand hours a year that you could fly. What about age limits? I know you can't fly after a certain age, right? Like 70 or something? 65. 65. Yeah. Okay. So you have 30 years, 28 years left to fly if you so choose. Um, are there part time pilot options for once you? hit your um your fine number and you still like to fly but maybe you don't want to do it 20 days a week is yes. are there part-time options too yeah. okay so you've yeah. got more more of a wow, corporate world, situation but yeah the world is really your oyster here um let's go back then to the hsa roth ira roth 401k options so right now you're able to income limit wise you are able to contribute to your roth ira and i would recommend if I was in your position, I would continue to max that out for as long as you possibly can. The reason being you are going to get a 35% bump in pay, which will put you at around 135. 139 is when you start to um, not be able to contribute to your Roth IRA anymore. Mindy, I, also, I bet he has a Roth 401k. Is that right, Matt? 
He has. I, so I have a 401k and a Roth 401k with the company. And then do you also have a Roth IRA outside of that? I, I opened a Roth IRA, a, um, uh, a, re- a regular IRA, and then I also opened a brokerage account. Uh, but they're all very new. There's there's not a whole lot in there. And um, that's where everything's going to start going and, and maxing those out. You, I, I, I need <clears throat> to double check this. I should know this. But I, I, I think you should check with a CPA if, about whether you can do the Roth 401k, max the Roth 401k, and open a separate Roth IRA in, incremental to that. Okay. That didn't even cross my mind. So, okay. I'll, um, I'll so I would, I would check yeah, on that I one. Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think you can do that. Um, probably not like the end of the world or anything like that, but I, I, I think that because you have a Roth 401k option with your work and you're either going to stay there or move on to a major airline with your career, that the Roth 401k option will likely be available to you for the duration of your career or until the government says you can't do it anymore. That said, I would, I, I also still like the Roth IRA personally and, 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 General and, and max that personally instead of the the four hundred one k. Okay. Be- because I again I, I, as I discussed I like the I like that. There's no right answer there. There's no wrong answer. It's just a matter of what you believe is going to happen over the over a long period of time and gov- government policy and your income. With that. Right. Well, but another believe, reason okay, I wanted to. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no this is your I, show. I was going to go on another rant about <laughs> what I said earlier, so uh, we could skip that. The, the other reason I opened up the I opened it up with Vanguard, and uh, it just it seems like I can get much more exposure to to better investment funds than what the company can provide me. And um, uh, when I move on to the next airline, then I can dump all that into there. And there's just there's some things that I think I want to invest in that I can't get access to through the four hundred one k. So I. I like I'm still trying to figure out specifically how I want to allocate these things and, and, and what the best direction is with that. Does your company offer a match? Yeah, 2.5%. On how, up to how much? Uh, 100%. Okay. So, so in that case, you know, it's a moot point. And, and this, is just, this is just like a racket in, the, in the, the finance industry is these company funds, they all charge ludicrous fees, in my opinion. Um, and, but the fact of the matter is you're getting a match, which is going to offset a lot of that. So when you move, move companies, or if you move companies or in a future date, you can always roll the IRA, your company over to another one, but every dollar you contribute there is getting a match. Every dollar you contribute in your, in your Vanguard, uh, um, fund, uh, off that that's on a different platform, um, is, 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 um, not getting a match. So right. I think it'll be hard, even if the fees are high for that math to work out poorly, if you're able to then roll the funds over in a future year to another, another, um, IRA. Yeah, I did. Um, I did take a look at the expense ratios on, I was in a target date retirement fund that they just put you in automatically. And I was, I was getting killed on the expense ratio for that. So I, I moved into a bunch of Vanguard ETF funds and uh, it's like 94% stocks now, but it's it's an overall 0.17 expense ratio, which it really, really lowered it a lot. So that's about as far as I've gotten with the 401k and Roth 401k investments. But That's great. Uh, that's, lower than, that's lower than the fees I pay in, in my 401k <laughs> or Roth 401k, <laughs> sorry, Roth 401k more specifically. So. <laughs> but for that, I, I used uh, Bloom. That wasn't, I had some guidance from Bloom. I don't know if you're familiar with Bloom or not, B-L-O-O-O-M. And they basically sign into your account and see what funds you have available, and they take um, 
you, you answer a questionnaire to get a feeling for your risk appetite and what your goals are. And they go in, they see what funds you have. And a few days later, they come back and give you recommendations and you can go and do all the switches yourself. And it, and it's so it wasn't my own smartness that got me down to 0.17. <laughs> That's awesome. We should get, they should get these bloom guys on the show at one point. It was pretty cool. I like it. And they tell you when you need to rebalance. Like they just told me I needed to rebalance it. So I did. And what does bloom cost you? I think it was like $26 a year. Oh, okay. I mean, well, that's, that's why I gave it a I mean, shot because it was inconsequential. Kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. 
Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Back to the Roth, this is going to get confusing, the Roth IRA, the Roth 401k, the 401k options. Uh, right now, you, and you, I looked it up, you can have a contributions to a Roth 401k and a separate Roth IRA. I love that you are you have a lot of income potential coming up. I want you, if I was in your position, I would be maxing out the Roth IRA every year that I was able to. Um, back on episode 200, we talked to Kyle Mast, who said that he thinks with all of the money that the government has been writing in stimulus checks, they're going to be now looking for ways to fund that and cutting out the Roth option is a really easy way for them to uh, generate more income, generate more tax revenue, um, simply by removing this way to avoid paying taxes. So my suggestion would be to look into the Roth 401k at 100% of your contribution limits, which are 19.5 for this year. And I think they're going up next year, but don't quote me because I haven't looked that up yet. Um, but I should, because it's almost next year. <laughs> uh, I would. So we're going to forego the reducible, the reduced taxable income in, in an effort to reduce the taxes I'm paying down the road, essentially down the road. Yeah. Because that, you are. Yeah. That's the bet I make personally with it, but it is, it is a, there's an, it's an unknowable bet, right? So just, I, I just want to always couch it with like, that's what I think is the right, is the right bet for me personally. And I would, all, all things I know so far about you think that that's your, your income's likely to rise. You're likely to create a, a, a small a real estate portfolio to some degree. Your inflation's likely, the government is not likely to reduce uh, tax brackets, all that kind of stuff. So I, that's what, for all those reasons, I like the Roth a hundred percent better than as a, and 401k 0% when the option presents itself for me. Right. Gotcha. So I have a slightly different take. I'm older than both of you. I have a fully funded, um, retirement, traditional retirement. And I also have a lot of stocks that I have been trying to sell, individual stocks that I have been trying to sell and move into an index fund. So I have, for the past several years, been contributing to my traditional 401k, my pre-tax, in an effort to reduce my taxable income so that I can sell those those stocks and pay less in capital gains or none in capital gains. However, now we are looking at where our the balance of our wealth is, and it's really heavy in um, after uh, pre-tax accounts. So I am now looking towards next year at maxing out the Roth 401k option instead of doing the, the traditional. It's a moving um, target as you grow older. 
it's very different. You know, I have had different experiences where, you know, for a Roth 401k, if I had a Roth 401k a few years ago, that would have definitely been what I was doing because my taxable income wasn't such that I needed to really reduce it. You know, you can't, how how low can you go? (laughs) Well, it's cool. You know, we, we have this discussion a lot and a lot of people get really hung up on this because, you know, and it's not really a high stakes decision for them. For you, I think it is. I think it is like a major consideration with this. I think that that's your, your, in this in this kind of sweet spot where that that 401k versus Roth option is is a big challenge because of your income profile and its trajectory and how much you're saving and your current wealth profile. So I think it's I think it's like one of those it's one of those ones that we we talk about at length sometimes and folks it's like you shouldn't even be doing anything in your in your retirement accounts right now you should be house hacking or figuring that out. But right. like you've already got all that and so I I think that that's it's 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 fun to get into that debate. Um, in the right context with it, uh, which is, I think, your situation. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I've had a lot of conversations with different friends trying to exa- do exactly that, figure out what the best way forward is. And, and we just never really can come to a consensus. It's kind of just throw, flip a coin and, and just go for it at this point. And that's where I think a lot of people are coming at, you know, oh, which one is it? I don't really know. But with the Roth option potentially going away, that is why where I would concentrate now because then, you know, you can reduce your taxable income down the road. Although, I mean, really when you're making $400,000 a year, what does, you know, what does reducing your taxable income by $20,000 really do for you? Right. You know, not Mm -hmm. that much. Um, Okay. So you said another thing you want to be doing is saving up for your next real estate purchase and you want to move into a boat, which sounds super fun. I'm jealous. Um, although I don't want to live. I live in Colorado. I'm not going to live in a boat. If you live in a warmer place. It's a way more feasible for no, you. No, it just got down to 67 this morning. I was freezing. Oh, oh no. 37 this morning. <laughs> okay. So I feel compelled to say that when you buy a property as an owner occupant, you're, you're attesting to the mortgage company that you're going to live in it as your primary residence. It typically comes with a one-year owner occupancy requirement. So now that I have told you this, you can start saving up for your down payment on your next property. You can start looking. Maybe there's a really awesome duplex that pops up. And, you know, do you, I'm assuming you have a real estate agent. Yes. Did you like the one that you worked with in January? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. Great. Then I would tell him, hey, I'm in the market again. This is what I'm looking for. If you see something pop up, let me know. Oh, he knows. Uh, I'm on a, a few different email listings of different um, things I'm looking for between multiplexes and single family homes. And uh, even though I bought this house, I stayed on the email list because I just want to keep my finger on the pulse. And I've been I've been watching and um, he knows my plan. So I bought this house with 5% down. The plan is to buy the next house 5% down after a year and then move into that house. And um, I would like to get a fourplex closer to downtown, but, uh, you know, they're few and far between. So maybe triplex or even a duplex, but, um, that's the idea is, is get a multiplex for the next one. And, um, that's kind of the goal for next year. Okay. And what would you do with the boat once you buy the new property? Is that something that you could rent out or would you just sell it? You said you bought it low and you've been rehabbing it. Well, so I can live on it right now, and I'll, I'll be living on it full-time in January. And even if I bought, a let's say, a fourplex next year, um, I would still technically have three rents coming in to cover the expense for a year. And then after a year, I can 
technically get the fourth one in in that fourplex. So um, it will technically it will be my, my I will have the fourth unit for a year because you have to it has to be your primary residence. So that will be my primary residence for a year. And because my primary residence is not the boat right now, it's this house. It's just it's right. just a boat that's in the marina. And I just hang out there for 10 days a month instead of the boring house. <laughs> <laughs> so the plan is to move just I mean, you could take the boat out of the picture. And basically, I'm going from this house to a fourplex that I purchased next year where I'm in one of the units. Right. Okay. Um, I was just wondering if you were going to try and rent out the boat as well. And, and are, you, uh, are you willing to... Repeat? I don't think I can. Are you willing the to boat? repeat okay. this this uh, activity every year for a number of years? Yeah, I think that's the goal. I was, I was like, let's just try and get one per year for five years, and then at five years, let's see how things are going. With with average appreciation, this alone will b- propel you past your one point two five million dollar goal. If you're able to do this, you know, seven times between now and the next thirteen years. Yeah, that's been kind of an eye opener because I purchased this house for two forty two in January, and um, I was just kind of poking around looking at HELOCs, where the bank gives you their own personal opinion of their valuation of your house without even doing an appraisal, and they think it's worth two hundred ninety five thousand already. So. And, and there's comps in my neighborhood that are going for over 300. So it is, it's been pretty eye-opening how, how crazy fast this is exploding. But, um, yeah, I think I'm just going to keep doing one per year and put the least amount of cash up front I have to. And uh, slowly but surely, I think it'll come around the corner here, and, and I'll get to where I'm going. Well, that's I don't think work. slowly but surely. <laughs> I think quickly and certainly you will get to where you want to be. It's exciting. It's I, I I think, you know, it's it's hard to start off in the beginning, and you're not really seeing a whole lot of improvement. And I had this very very late start because of the the massive uh, you know student loan debts, and and essentially the my twenties were just a total lost decade. And and you know the I, I had years where I made ten thousand in one year as a skydive pilot, and even as a regional pilot back then we only made twenty five thousand a year. So it's been this late, late start, and I, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, I, what is the quickest way to get there? Because I've started way late. No, I, I think that that's that's like the that's the journey in our version of capitalism in this country. With it, is it's very hard to get things off the ground. But I think what you're where you're at right now is, you know. Clearly, a number of years went into getting you to this very clean position that you're in right now with a clean balance sheet, a property, um, $100,000 income, and um, the, the, the home. And now, depending on how you allocate the, that and how long you sustain that increase in cash flow and where and how you apply it, I mean, it's going to be off for the races. In three to five years, you might have a five hundred to $750,000 net worth with the trajectory you're on if you have a couple of house hacks and get a big income increase, have these, these uh, uh, continue just investing on a, on a regular cadence in, 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 inside of your um, 401k or Roth IRA. Um, and then also you told us you might have another $260,000 in employee stock, <laughs> employer stock yeah, options that's, with that. That's, so, a, that's a tricky one. I, yes, I'm not counting on it, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. That'll be a nice bonus. 
Yeah, I mean, so, so this this game plan is is definitely going to work. Um, not definitely going to work. It is highly likely to work, in my opinion, with this. Um, and and I think I don't think it will take you thirteen years to to realize your goals with that. I think that with inside of three to five years, you're going to look up and be like, I'm way over this hump. Uh, I may not be completely financially free in three to five years, but I'm going to be on the other. I'm going to be coasting nicely toward the other side of this um, th this equation here. Yeah, well, that's nice to hear from you guys. <laughs> Is that what you think, Mindy? No, that's exactly what I think. I think that when you look at the wealth, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The wealth, like a typical wealth growth, it's hockey stick. It's very flat and slightly increased and slightly increased. And then all of a sudden it takes off. And I think you're, you've, you've done your slog of a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and you're about to hit the the stick itself, the handle of the hockey stick itself, um, simply because you've got such low expenses. You're, you know, when you first look at this, you're like, wow, $800 a month in restaurants, but you're a pilot. You're not around. You're in, I mean, you live in a hotel, right? Yeah. yeah basically. So, yeah. So that is um, not really conducive to cooking a whole lot. And you don't get to choose which hotel. The airline says you're going to stay at this one tonight, right? Right. So... It's, Are boats you know, allowed you... to have ovens? Yeah, yeah, there's an oven on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can't cook on the boat. Oh yeah, <laughs> and also, you know, it, it's it, it's I, I, health healthy eating is, is big on my plate too. So I mean, I, I could save money in the food department and eating out, but I just I refuse to budge on that. So eating can get pretty expensive when you're looking for healthy stuff on the road too. But uh, it's that's that's just a, an expense I've just dealt with, you know. But other expenses, it's it's hard to keep your expenses low when you have the income you have, and you know, not not fall to the trap of uh, buying this or that or this or that or a nicer boat or a nicer whatever or a nicer car, you know. But it's it's well, definitely helping. I can see that because of the money I'm able to save and and just uh, you know keep the blinders on and just keep going forward. Yeah. Well, when you buy this next house hack and get your massive raise that you're, you're anticipating in the next year, you you know. Like you, you probably could spend a little bit more uh, on this kind of stuff because again, you're, 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 I, I, I can just see, or I, I have this picture in my mind of, of you going through this huge slog to get to where you're at. And again, you're going to get on this other side of that. And like, you can ease up, I think in a year or two, or, you know, inside of the next six months, if a couple of these, these projections come true and you're still going to be able to accumulate a tremendous amount of wealth with a lot of this stuff. So there's something to think about on there. Not, it is. Not, that, that's a work. huge mental shift that needs to happen. Well, I don't know if it needs to happen, but, you, you know, I when I grew up, uh, my dad was an airline pilot. And in the first 10 years of my life, we were pretty well. But he worked for Eastern Airlines and they went bankrupt and he lost his pension. And they didn't have 401ks back then because it started, I think, in the mid 80s. So in 92, he lost it all. But then he started a business and it and it went on for about 20 years. So we weren't poor, but we weren't wealthy, like rich airline pilot wealthy. So and you know, I've always had to had to pay my own way through everything, and and uh, you know, moved out when I was twenty, and was going to school full time and flight school, and um, uh, it's so I've I've always been. It's just the way I've been raised in the last twenty years. I'm just kind of like scared to spend too much money. It's, it makes me nervous. Well, I think I think you're 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 going to find yourself in good shape uh, in inside of a year or two, and and you know. You don't have to, but, uh, the, you know, 
at, at some point when you're making 150k and do have two house hacks and are well on your way with the retirement accounts there's there is permission <laughs> uh, uh, to spend some of that surplus with it um all right so, all right the bronco some, gets a paint job yeah. <laughs> so, something to think about. I, I, I think I think you should keep grinding for a little bit longer here, but you're 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 close to the inflection point. I think, uh, based on what I'm seeing here, that's awesome. That's motivating. Earl Stive will paint any car any color for ninety nine ninety five. He didn't grow up in Chicago, obviously. Uh, I think he's nationwide, but yeah, that oh, it looks like he painted it with a broom. Exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, get a spray job. Um. Yeah, I think your expenses being so low, your savings rate being so high, I think you have, you will have to do something very wrong on purpose to derail your plans. I think you're just in that period of slog where it's just waiting for the compound interest to jump in and shoot you to the moon. And another house hack, I mean, if you can get a a three or four plex, That'll kind of take care of it. I mean, what are your what's your monthly spending? Thirty three hundred dollars a month with a house hack and your other house hack, and you know maybe one more house hack, and you're going to be done. I mean, he's going to be spending two thousand a month when, once once the uh, he's under the boat. Oh, that's right, right. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I do know. I do know that you will do. I mean, if you if you really, really, really want to mess it up, you'll have to take <laughs> you'll have to take action to mess it up. Otherwise, it's just going to keep going. Is there any anything Word else that it. we can help you with today that, that you have questions about or, or areas that we didn't cover? No, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, even with saving up for down payments on houses that, that I'll still have leftover cash and it'll probably go in a brokerage account. But that's kind of getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, what should I be investing in? And that's just going to take, I think, more reading and more research. But um, it's uh, and just, you know, one thing at a time here, just trying to just figuring it out. Yeah. Great problem. You're, you're saving too much money. Um, you're saving more money than you know what to do with. No, well, you know, not saving I'll, too much money. I'll do it while I can. Cause you know, I think what, what, uh, has lasted in my memory is my dad losing his job at 55 when he was going to retire at 60 and lost his whole retirement. So it's, it's, you know, when it's good, it's good, but it just like that, it can end overnight. But so, it, it, inside of five years, you're going to have multiple real estate properties, multiple stock funds, probably one, you know, probably options in one of your companies that you work for that you're going to work for with this, and I would imagine a pretty solid emergency reserve. So great to learn that lesson, but it's I don't think that's going to be your situation that you're going to find yourself in, unless you know the we enter a depression, in which case everyone's going to be in the same place around it. It's going to be a relative game. Um, and you're still going to have real estate assets and stock assets and savings and, and those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely what set us on our trajectories. And when I say us, I mean, my brother and I, my brother's the same way. But, um, it, you know, when you watch your parents lose their job right before retirement and lose their whole retirement, and now they got to build a business, it, it really sticks with you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's got to be really rough. So what happened with the pension? I mean, you pay into a pension, right? You do, yeah. And it's based on the survival of the company. And the company went bankrupt and closed their doors. And they they got rid of the pension along with it. I mean, the, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation comes in and, and helps you. But 
you know, it was, for example, his pension was supposed to be 6,500 a month back in, in 1995, and it turned into $800 a month. Then he starts collecting social security and it cut in half to 400 a month. So it really wasn't, didn't really guarantee anything. Wow. Okay. If you're listening to this and you have a pension, take note. Oh, that's why I don't trust the ESOP, the, the employee stock ownership program. Um, you know, I'm rolling my eyes at it because I see what happened with my parents. It's directly tied to the, the performance of the company. So I'm just flat out not counting it. Now, now I, I want to caveat that with, I think some pensions are more safe than others. For example, I would imagine that a military pension, um, just for folks listening here, um, that's, there would be an exception, I think, where you'd hope that would be pretty, pretty stable um, for, for some of that. And that would be something that you could bank on. But if you're in a state that like Chicago and you're, you know, a pensioner there, that that's something to really worry about with this kind of stuff. Or, you know, a company pension plan, not something to totally bank on with this kind of stuff. Well, I totally um, agree. I, you know, I think for the federal pension for military to fail, I mean, you'd, the whole government would have to completely collapse. So... And then we got bigger problems, <laughs> much bigger problems. Yeah, I can just I can just hear someone listening saying, "Oh, my, I, you know, we've definitely had a, a, episodes where me and Mindy have said, oh, that pension's like a million dollar asset for for this individual.' Um, and it is, I think, uh, if, if you're a military, but it's probably worth some discount on that if it's a private company or a poorly funded state, for example. Right, right. I completely agree. Okay, well, let's let's look at this employee stock purchase plan. Um, do you currently own any of it? Do you have to be there for a certain amount of time before you can own it? Is it vested? So it's um, it, they just started uh, paying out this year. And I think right now there's about 10,000 in there, but they're going to pay out over the next five years. And then once it's all paid out, it'll be uh, roughly 260,000. And then from there until retirement, 65, I, I can't really touch it. What does the um, word payout mean in this case? There, it's go money is going into an account, a managed account, and it is a vested basically. It's 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 mine. Um, but I don't get to withdraw until retirement age. So is this is this is this are you are you being granted stock as in the company? Is that what's happening with this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you're being okay. So you're not purchasing it; it's just being given to you. Correct. And okay, is it, does that stock give you rights <clears throat> to income, like, like profit interests in in the in the business? I don't get anything out of this thing until I'm retired. The what I can do in ten years or I think eleven years is I can convert it to cash, but I still can't pull it out of the account until I'm retired. Oh, interesting. So okay. if I don't feel the company's going to survive or they're rocky, I can convert it all to cash and let it sit there. And it won't, it'll lose value because of, you know, inflation and stuff, because it's just going to sit in account and as cash, but it might be better than nothing. So I, I have to kind of reevaluate at that point in time, what's going on with the airline. This is strange. I never, to... I never heard of this. Yeah. 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 I, I don't want to get too into it in case someone's listening, but... Uh, it's it, long story short. I'm if it's there, great. If it's not, big deal because I'm not counting on it. Yeah, that's the best way to to handle this. Do you have to continue to be employed by the same airline in order to reap this benefit? Uh, no. So once I'm whatever's in there is vested. 
So if I don't make it to five years, if it's say, I don't know, a hundred thousand is worth and because I leave in a couple of years, that's vested. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting, but I think your your plan to not count that at all and just that's bonus if you get it right. is the best option. Right. And I'm not paying for it. So it, it's kind of a, one of those things, you know, you don't get anything for free. So <laughs> again, it brings me back to I'm not counting on it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best plan. A- anything else we can help you with before we kind of wrap up? Uh, no, I think that's you guys have answered all my questions. You have any for me? No, I think- uh, yeah. Where can you fly me to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to have to box yourself up because it's just cargo. <laughs> What's the Tiki Boat Company? Uh, it's, I'm um, not going to fly in a box. It's, oh, I can't remember, Tiki, I think it's just called Florida Tiki Boat. If oh. you look up Tiki Company down in St. Pete, downtown St. Petersburg, you'll you'll come up with them. All right. Okay. Matt, thank you very much for your time today and for sharing your numbers with us. I thought this was very interesting. And I have every confidence that you are going to crush all of your financial goals, literally crush them and be like, wow, I can't believe way back there was my goal because I'm all the way up here. I really think that you're doing great and you just have a ton of potential. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad I was able to do this because you, you think you're on the right path, but you, you kind of you get yourself doubt. So it's, it's good to hear that from, from you guys. Yeah, love it. Okay. Well, Matt, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Okay, Scott, that was Matt the Pilot flying high with his fabulous, fabulous financial journey. What'd you think of his numbers? Well, I, I, what I think of his numbers, I think they're fantastic. I think his, I think his numbers are very <laughs> realistic. I think he's going to, to crush them. And I just want to highlight the fact that, you know, yes, this is, this is a, a single guy who's going to, who's effectively spending $2,000 a month on his personal expenses with that. So, I mean, when, when you have that strong of a financial foundation and the fundamentals are in place, I'm, I make six figures and I spend $2,000 a month. Um, you know, th- that, that's, that's the game game over right there. You just let that, that fly for a few years and you're going to, you know, become pretty wealthy pretty quickly with, with the, the compounding of, of, you know, if you do even halfway decently on your investing returns, stack in house hack, serial house hacking, um, stack in, you know, a sophisticated retirement account approach and stack in a couple of big bonuses from a career that can offer significant upside and sky's the limit. All right. I'll stop yeah, with what the, if, the airline puns now. Oh, I didn't even catch that last one. <laughs> okay. So we have four levers that we recommend people pull to reach financial independence. Spend less than you earn. Check. Earn more income. He's on his way to earning more income. So we'll check that anyway. Uh, Start a business, not something that he is interested in. And with good reason, he's got got work limitations. He would not want to... get run afoul of his his employer's federally imposed work limitations. And the fourth one is invest in the stock market, invest intelligently in stock market and real estate. And that's what he's doing. So he's he's pulling three of the four levers. It seems like he's pulling them fairly seamlessly. It's not a huge burden to him to not be able to spend every dime that he makes based on some of his past experiences with money, which always have a huge impact on your current relationship with it. So I really just think that he's in the middle of his slog and I'm super excited for his uh, his trajectory. And I would like to check in with him in about a year to see if he's done his, uh, gotten his pilot or his captain's license and the requisite bump in pay and see what he's doing with that money. Yep. Um, completely agree. Okay. Scott, should we get out of here? 
Let's do it. From episode 244 of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying we'll chat again, friend. And small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.